for the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world. We are live and amplified. So let's get ready to podcast. Fire it up. Good to talk to you, Tom. How are you tonight, man? Cheers. I'm doing pretty good. Cheers. Um, Cheers. I just got off a uh, another podcast. I when I was uh, in college, I did a uh, Disney the Disney College program, which was like their internship. Cool. And there, <laughs> about a about a month ago or so, I found a podcast that they talk with former Disney interns just to kind of share their stories and whatnot. And they reached out to me a couple of weeks ago and was like, "Hey, how does the ninth at six thirty? I was like, "As long as we're done by seven thirty, I don't care. I'm good." So. <laughs> I just got done doing that. That was a nice little change of pace from my normal Tuesdays. So you know what's cool, man? I, I bet you're busy because it sounds like you are, and you got a lot of things on the go. And I, it's ironic with everything the way that it is, and sort of the global atmosphere of things. How yeah. busy a lot of us are doing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's. I love it. Like I mean, it's keeping me excited in a balance. You know, yeah. for like mental health. <laughs> yeah. We actually during all of this. We've launched a brand new radio show that airs once a week. Right on. Uh, we're in the work. We early on during the pandemic, we recorded like seven videos that were turning into like a weekly episodic, like not episodic, but like a TV show type thing. Yeah, I like the word. <laughs> yeah. And so it's um, basically, basic. it, it's basically for independent musicians and just like showcasing their original work and stuff like that. Um, so we shot a bunch of that early on and now it's just kind of like, okay, now we're in a position where we can do something with it because things are starting to open up. And so like just this last year, everything that we were able to get launched and going been crazy. Isn't it? And, and it's funny. Yeah, I do. That's exciting that you, you were part of that. So do, do you know, I mean, this is like saying, Hey, you're from Minnesota. Do you know, John? Yeah. But like Nelson Diaz, who was the animator on uh, the video for Red Omen. Um, he worked for Disney, I guess at a certain point in time. And he had done a bunch of work with SpongeBob SquarePants and Sesame oh, wow. Street. And part of his work is in Ted two and mm -hmm. Kung Fu Panda or Ted, excuse me, and Kung Fu Panda too. So when you started talking about Disney, ironically, like you're giving off this Nelson vibe. And I was like, dude, I just got to ask you, like you've never come animator to animator, you know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause no, it's I a wasn't, crazy I'm, field. Right? I didn't do anything with animation that that wasn't my, my thing. So, um, but yeah, no, it's, but, I, but, you, but you never know, you know, you never know. Yeah. No, you never do. Like, especially, one thing I'm finding out is how small this world really is. Like when I started doing the podcast, um, I started off um, with a couple of international acts. The reason I started doing it on zoom was because there was like some international acts that I wanted to work with. And I knew during the pandemic, I was like, well, I'm not going to get there anytime soon. So let me figure out how to make this work. And so I launched up zoom and made it work. And then they introduced, so essentially the point of the story is after 
like six degrees of separation, they introduced me to a mutual friend from through a guy that I know here in town in because I'm in Waco, Texas right now. So basically, <laughs> like through six or seven degrees of separation, I was linked right back into my hometown. That's crazy. Yeah. All the way from Sydney, Australia. So that is I had that experience with an interview or two where they were bouncing the call literally off of a town only an hour south of me. And I was talking to Florida. Oh, wow. So when that happens, you're like, so it's the proximity of certain things or again, serendipity. And sometimes inside of all of that, where it's like for two years, we were talking about the red Omen video. I was like knocking on doors, animation companies, colleges, universities, anybody that would be interested in it. And on a whim, you know, I see Nelson's work. It's a GIF that he had created for, I think it was a McDonald's ad. And it's this like Easter Island Moai head going blah, blah, blah over and over again. And I was like, the, the sort of Ed head thing is, is the, is the, is the Moai, right? I, I even use it in a lot of my things that I write to people or whatever. And I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by archeology. span And so that's kind of where my weird connection with that comes from. But it's like, he's like, I send him a letter two days, an email. He, he gets back to me and he's like, it's so weird you're contacting me. And I said, well, why is that? He goes like, for a year, I was reaching out to artists wanting to put together a video for them, you know, sending them my portfolio. And, and then you reach out to me and you're a musician. And I like what, you know, you create, you sounded crazy in your email. So I kind of relate as an animator. And the other thing was weird is that he goes, I just got back from trip from Machu Picchu with my family. We've been wanting to go there for years. And uh, the first thing I hear in the, in the tune is this lyric about Machu Picchu. And, and, and so that's what I mean. The serendipity of that after, you know, frivolously, not frivolously, but, you know, unsuccessfully, you know, trying to reach, reach people with this idea it was just on a whim of this feeling of like letting it go and mm -hmm. even the connection of it to the dyslexic society and the work that i do with the whole dyslexic society which is based out of the u.s but the faction of it is here in canada and, and facilitating offices in, in every province was the same thing michael stover reaches out to the president all of a sudden i'm talking to the president we're friends we're communicating about what it is it's become this sort of backbone of this sort of mission behind telling dyslexic stories and bringing about awareness to dyslexic uh, to the dyslexic community raising funds and money uh, I, I all of it is like got this like it's bigger than me in mm. the serendipity six degrees of separation this this feeling of like it's and it's elating because this it's a sense of release that i that without pushing and going through like and str struggles yeah. through it, you know, two two years of knocking on doors, and, but uh, somehow it's like people say it, it was meant to happen at a certain time, you know. Absolutely. And, and I really, I, I I really feel that more as I as I've gotten older in my life. I go, man, when I start looking back, there were all those subtle little hints. Yeah. Approach, you know, but I it wasn't it, it couldn't happen at that yeah. moment. You Absolutely. Know? It's fascinating. It's life is a fascinating place to me. Oh, it really is. Like j just to. Uh... Uh, like going back to the radio show that we launched, we were originally supposed to launch it back in July of 2019 uh, or in mid late 2019. I won't say July specifically. That's when we were approached about it. Um, and the guy that approached us kept dragging his feet, dragging his feet. And I was like, he came to a point where I was like, you know what, dude, this isn't going anywhere. We're good. Like we're just going to keep doing what we do. 
but we had always kept that idea in the back of our head. Like, no, that's a really good idea, but it just wasn't the right time because he was dragging his feet. Company was dragging their feet, whatever it was. And the one thing that I didn't like about it was that they wanted to keep all the, um, they wanted to keep it as their thing. Like they wanted to keep it as their show. And I was like, no, I don't really like that. Cause if, I'm, if we're going to go through all the trouble of producing it and they're not going to pay us, like I want it to at least be our thing. You know, it's, it's our show. Exactly. So we, we kind of walk away from the deal and actually in October of 2020, we got reached out or there was a new rock radio station that opened up in Roswell, New Mexico. They, they were originally like a, a Christian station and then they kind of did a rebrand and became a rock radio station because there wasn't anything like that in town. And the program director who we'd known, we had worked with a bunch of times, he reached out. He was like, hey, man, do you guys want to put a show together? And originally it started off as like a one hour weekly deal. And now it's like a two hour weekly deal. And so, and we own the rights to it and we can syndicate and it's like, yes, that's where I'd rather be. Dude. Like that's, that's that. Oh man. Awesome. First of all, that, that worked out that way, but isn't it strange that like, you may be like, okay, I'm disheveled because this didn't work out. This is da da da. And then all of a sudden you're like, but man, you know, what if we gone down that other road? Yeah. Like, and the struggle makes you stronger, right? Yeah. Almost. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's just kind of like, had we taken the deal and stuck with the deal, yeah, we'd probably have like a pretty decent following because they were set up, they were set up a little bit better. They had they had uh, digital streaming already set up. Their uh, transmitter was a lot stronger than the current station we're at. But the big thing was that we didn't own the rights to the show and we couldn't do what we wanted to do with it. And it's just like, that didn't stick with me. And so I hear you. Like, like, like that, that, there's so much effort. Mm -hmm. Like, like people say, well, that seems pretty easy. You know, you work in your studio and you write some songs and da, 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 da. But yeah, that's the kind of, you know, umbrella of, of it. But the thinking process like, you know, knocking on doors, you know, boots on the ground, trying to do the hard work of research, saying no, yeah. in some cases, because you care about the work that, that you, time and energy that you put in. Uh, all of that's super important. Like, even right now, we're doing a lot of commercial work, some friends of mine. And, and what's interesting about it is that whether or not it gets cash, mm -hmm. that's, that's great. That's the icing on the cake. Yeah. But somewhere down the line, like we're just saying, who knows where it can be used? So you know, impregnating those tracks with who, what, where, why, and how. So if it gets lost in the ether, somewhere the coding is saying, hey, you know, those people did that. And it's worth not only checking out, but hey, that this is who we should pay. This is who we should contact. This is, there's nothing wrong with that. There's been so much of this, like I'm looking at staggering information from artists like Sting and, yeah. and you know, like income through streaming on millions of plays is yeah. like 39 pounds. Yeah. Sterling. I mean, you yeah. can't, you can't come home and feed your kids on, you know, yeah. it's, there's been that huge shift, I think, in thinking, not only in the artist, artistic community, like how do we protect ourselves? How do we make a living? How do we mm -hmm. do all these other things? But also too, this subtle change in just the atmosphere of the listener or the participant and whatever the art form is by saying, Hey, you know, I, I do want to do this. Ironically, this whole pandemic thing has really kind of, 
brought out the best and worst in mm. people. And, and in that regard, I see people saying, well, no, you just played this on a live streaming event. Here's here's 30 bucks. Here's yeah. 20 bucks. Here's da, da, da. All of a sudden, that envelope starts to open up in a different way. So it's like what the Chinese word for devastation is a dual meaning. I think it has something that's like catastrophe is also opportunity. Mm-hmm. So yeah. so it's how we embrace it and use it. But remembering that, you know, there's 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 duty. Yeah, at the, at the, at the bridge. <laughs> and it's fun, it's funny you bring up Spotify. We're we're kind of rolling into the podcast already. Like we're we're just rolling into it. Usually I do an intro, but we're just going to roll into it. We're already rolling. Uh, we're sitting here with Ed uh, Ed Roman. Uh, before I jump into what I was going to say, thank you so much for jumping on here. Really appreciate it. But it's hey, funny. That's great. But it's funny that you brought up Spotify because I was literally having this conversation about four hours ago i every month just not to like i mean hopefully they make a little bit of money off of it but it's more of just building exposure for new bands every month we update our spotify playlist so we have like a playlist and it's just like hey send me your new songs we'll put it on the playlist we promote the playlist cool but it's not for them to make money specifically off spotify it's for people like if I introduce you to a great punk band that you've never heard of and you've listened to one of their songs and it's like, oh, hey, I want to go listen more. I want to go find out more. Oh, they're coming to Ontario, you know, like wherever they're coming to a city near you. Let's go see, you know, and so like the ripple effect is kind of what we're going for. Not so much like, oh, yeah, you got one tenth of one cent, you know, like whatever the streaming uh fee is on spotify anymore like i can't even tell you yeah i need i don't think many people can i think the, the, the lack of transparency says everything and yeah you're so right with what you're saying because it may not translate into dineros yeah right away but that's the ripple effect is so well put because the old industry had the same factor so and so at a great radio station look at buddy holly madman kuso what does he do he locks himself in his control room so the police and people have to knock the door down eventually because he plays that'll be the day over and over again for hours and hours and hours how does that translate well he probably got arrested fine buddy's music got out there in a different way he maybe didn't make money off of it playing off the radio at that moment in time but the translation of the information getting out there was so important Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, well, Buddy Holly's playing in town. Well, let's go check him out with, you know, yeah. his band. That All that starts to, but that's where the, the, somehow the checks and balances. And I, I, I really feel it behooves us in the artistic community to create that uh, demographic for ourselves. Because the industry, as it came into being, as we know it today, is a byproduct of, of yesteryear and a lot of new technologies coming in. And how do we capitalize off of this? In the early years, it was stuff with Napster, and all that stuff with free sharing and things that were going on, which people were like, well, that's cool. I mean, we all made mixtapes, ladies and gentlemen, you know, yeah. we all lent albums and whatever it may have been. Yeah. And, so, and before that, people were making reel to reels. I got reel to reels with four albums on them here, you know, yeah. that people copied to put. So, yeah. How does that translate for us? We it behooves us to do something about it because it, it, all the the bantering and everything that we're doing is important. Yeah. I'm not belittling in any way, but in navigating it is even more difficult. We need to create a safe area for all artists to be able to say, "Well, yes, here's a piece of work. Uh, here's what it's duly worth. Here's what went into it, and somehow the compensation of that factor through the user fills that void." 
So the person doesn't end up with a $10,000 deficit for putting out a wonderful piece of material mm-hmm. somehow through that. Hey, you know, if, if somebody's paying 10 bucks a month for some platform to get full streaming all the time yeah. and there's millions of people doing it, I mean, it's not hard to do the math to figure out that, you know, $5,000, $10,000 projects, whatever, they're going to get paid for pretty quickly. And there should yes. be a, a decent, relative, clear trickle-down effect for what that is going into it. There can be a byproduct of that system that says, here's a kitty, that then eventually you can go to build other things in other ways, whether it services the purpose of the platform, the industry, an artist. There's so many different things that it could represent. I mean, that's why I say it's like, I think we ourselves know the community well enough to know this is what makes us feel safe. This is what's fair. We're not asking asking for gold planes and and hot and cold running milk. You know, we we just want to live, pay our bills, be happy and and, and keep making work. Yeah, that's the most essential thing to the community. So I'm I'm there with you, man. So that's why it's like kudos hearing that you, you you hold out, you end up getting this neat thing. Now you're getting syndicate. That's awesome. Yeah. Because we, it's functioning. It's functioning. And actually, I'm not against saying this right now because I just got confirmation today, but uh, we picked up syndication in the UK that starts <laughs> next week. So, that, which is really cool. Like, it, it was one of those things where it was just kind of like, I, we got a few weeks in and I just started cold emailing everyone. You get the red bell of approval. Nice. Um, awesome. You're on it, man, Dave. Thank you. Uh, and so I just started like cold call, cold emailing people. And this guy from London was like, hey, your show's entertaining as fuck. Well, let's have it in. Like, I mean, it's still really raw. Like, let's be 100% honest. It's really raw, like the, you know, all that stuff. But you're going to have to let me in on a little secret here. You Texans down there, you always got this you got this big sense about you and, 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 and you may not be originally from Texas, but what's no, interesting not. to note is that there's, there's so much amazing music and ideas and stations and different things. A lot of the radio stations talk radio mm-hmm. AM a, a, that I would pick up here in Canada from, you know, affiliates. Yeah. They were go, they were go to, mm-hmm. and I could see why they blew into clear channel mm-hmm. uh, art, art bell, whether he'd be a legend in the community for talk radio or not. Oh, my, our, dad yeah, our bell. my dad loves it. So, so, so like here, the guy starts the station, millions of people around the world are listening to it. It becomes this, like, aside from just the, re- the gen pop as I could put it as a musician, so many musicians that I know, that would have the gig till two in the morning. They would have a two hour drive. Wouldn't get home till four. They're picking up a coffee. And a do- what are they doing? They're listening to coast to coast. Yeah. There was, there was so many times where I get home and there'd be still half an hour left in the show. And I'm sitting in the car, drinking coffee, listening to the rest of the show. Yeah. All out of, te- all out of Texas, all coming out of the United States. I yeah. mean, it's, it's, so it's like, I'm kidding with you. Like what's with Texas, but like, man, so often it's like, and, and, and now you're connecting with London. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. well, because I was turned like Art Bell was introduced into my household early on. My dad was a pilot, um, so ever when, especially when I was younger, he'd have to drive from Chicago to Detroit because he was based out of Detroit, but we lived in Chicago. And I'm in the middle of grade school. My sister's in the middle of grade school. We're not leaving anytime soon. Uh, and so he had to drive the three hours, four hours, whatever it is from Chicago to Detroit. And it was always art bell. It was always coast to coast. 
And I remember a couple of times I made the drive with them just for whatever reason. And that's what we listened to was Art Bell. It didn't matter. He still Art Bell. I, I I have old podcasts, like hours of them. You know, like it's, uh, I, I, that's what was interesting about the show. Like it was uh, no holds barred. The, the Collins were sometimes insane. Yeah. Extremely interesting guests. You know, like it was, it was out of the, out of the ordinary. It was like, and then you come home and like you turn on like a television show and you're like, I'm going to go back and listen to this. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it was, you know, it's, it's amazing. It's one of those things where if you can get, like, especially now with like the way like regulations are, if you can get on a satellite station, it's pretty much say whatever you want. Like it doesn't, you don't have to worry about pesky FCC regulations and all that stuff. Like once you get on traditional radio, that's where it gets a little like weird, but that's what I really like about our current setup is because our station, we're our station in Roswell, New Mexico. So kind of funny you bring up coast to coast AM. They mentioned Roswell, New Mexico a lot. It's only got a six mile radius on it. So we can, like, I mean, we can't go crazy because we say enough craziness. They, uh, they, they uh, might have a problem with that, but we can get away with a little bit more because there's only a six mile radius on us. But I mean, Roswell well, is a Mecca for so many people. I mean, just aside from the, what we know of the story, yeah. You know, I mean, the, I've heard of people that like, before, if you were going to go somewhere in the U.S. and like do some neat things, what would you do? Like, would you go to the Grand Canyon? Oh, yeah. Da, da, da. What else? I think I want to go to Roswell. Yep. That's, you know, like. It, yes. So, OK. Everybody, when I lived in Roswell for four years, uh, I graduated, I uh, moved there in 2013 and then I left in 2017. Um and that's that's when I really started to form live and amplified between um, my buddy owned a recording studio out there. The recording studio went under and he was still wanting to mix and stuff. And I was like, hey, I got this idea for a thing if you're interested. And I pitched it to him. He's like, yeah, let's do it. And became live and amplified. And within the first six months, we had like some pretty like not big name acts, but like region, big regional acts coming through. And he was like, or everybody, all the local musicians were like, yo, you got Kira so-and-so to come through? How'd you do that? And I was like, it's Roswell. It's not yeah. hard to sell. It, like, we got, um, I, I don't know, like, so it's we like got the- Cornflakes is like Roswell and Cornflakes. You've ever heard yeah. of a Cornflake? Yeah. You ever heard of Roswell? Yeah. 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 It, you know, it was one of those things where we got the Bellamy brothers on a podcast. Like they were one of our um, original 25 podcasts. And it was like, they were in Roswell and they're like, how'd you get them? I was like, it's Roswell. If they have a show anywhere from San Antonio to uh, El Paso, and if they're coming North, whether it's to Denver, Grand Junction or Albuquerque, usually they're going to have a day off. What's about halfway in between any of those places? Boom. Roswell. Roswell. It is, <laughs> even if it's an hour or two hours out of the way, all you have to say is UFO museum. And yeah, they're going to go to, they're going to go to the little alien. They're going to go, you know, they're going to check it out. I know yeah. it. I like, I want to go there. Like as uh, from the time I was a young person, like since uh, 75, mm -hmm. I've known of this story. Yeah. It's been like part of family allegory, even in my own family background, just because of 
I come from an interesting family and some interesting things that have occurred in through that whole process. But it, it's like I'm a bit of a buff when it comes to that stuff. Like I am with a lot of things. So yeah. it's like uh, like Jimi Hendrix. Like I, when I was in, in Washington, I was like, I'm going to go to his grave. I mean, he was such an influence to me. It has this it, those in, incidents and events and people are so significant. It's like people going to Paris to Morrison's grave or, or mm -hmm. other places. Something happened there. Yeah. People are have been questioning it for years. And 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 I think that's what is amazing about people is curiosity. I that's one thing I always hope that never happens is people lose their sense of questioning and curiosity yeah. because it drives our passion. Yeah. You know, as they say, well, curiosity killed the cat. Well, cat has nine lives too. Yeah. Uh, so at the same time, it's like I get it. I, it's like, yeah, you want to be on a station on a, on a podcast, live podcast that's going out to networks and stuff from Roswell, New Mexico. I mean, he didn't say, you know, Duluth. And I like Duluth. I'm not putting yeah. anything bad on Duluth. Yeah. But at the same time, it's it's like saying New York. Yeah. Almost. Right? Or yeah, Paris. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, it, 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 it's just like in the, that was the thing is like everybody's talking about how the music scene in Roswell's dead. And it's like, you guys aren't selling it. You're not trying. It's if like, um, you know, uh, Maynard James Keenan lives in Phoenix. If you tell him like, hey, we want to get you or we want you to come to um, Roswell and play a show. All you have to do is say Roswell. I guarantee you he's at least going to pick up the phone. I, that, exactly and that you know and the, here's the here's something interesting that you said that, that sparked something in my imagination was what like the music scene isn't happening here the music is, scene isn't happening there and you're right well we've got to do something about it yeah. this is an amazing thing about the day and age that we live in we're talking about art we're talking about old terrestrial radio and it's mm -hmm. nice old terrestrial radio still exists i used to love that experience of going i, I think I think old terrestrial radio is always going to exist. And here's what, here, here's my theory. And here's why, because on other, unlike TV radio, you can listen to while you're doing other things. TV, you have to have, like, you have to be paying attention or you're lost and there's no point in watching. Whereas if you're listening to the radio, you, we could literally be sitting there, sitting here playing backgammon or something and both be listening to two different radio stations and holding a conversation. Like you could be True. doing other things and it's easy to, it's very portable because you can pull down an FM scanner a FM radio scanner and put it on your smartphone and boom, you're going, you're good. Like, I know. And that's, that's exactly, that's amazing. Technology as, as, as much as sometimes I think it can be a hindrance, and it's just because I'm really still into the whole, like we're talking terrestrial, terrestrial environment. I, I, it's, I it, we're it's still even in the infancy of what all this really represents as far as communication is concerned, but it's such an amazing moment to be in live just for that reason alone. Somebody in Singapore is watching the show. I'm in Ontario. You're in Texas. You just said, as simply as being able to do, think of what used to have to go through licensing, antenna, amplification, all of those other things. That still will be there. You're right. It's not. It's no. It's not redundant in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. But it's 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 amazing because what drives us, I think, is conversation and idea and having it unsolicited. 
as you mentioned before, by commercials or some sort of dogma by saying the opinions expressed don't necessarily affect those at the network, but but we're going to have you on anyway, because we're going to make money from advertisement. Um, is, 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 is all there and fine and well, but this gives us a different kind of envelope where, where anything can happen and, and it can happen right now, or we could talk about it later, but it's there. So even later people can go back. How many times when you were watching a show a long time ago, they're like, Oh yeah, I was on years ago. And I can go back in any podcast. Like we were talking before, listen to them, an MP3 of something that happened in the nineties. Yeah, it, you know it's 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 wild. The information age. It's it's staggeringly fascinating, man. Yeah. The, wild, wild. Like I remember to to kind of uh, double down on that. I remember as a kid freaking out because I missed the latest Saturday morning cartoon, or I missed you know whatever it was, and it's like I'm never going to see it now because there they at that point like the syndication thing was like very serious like you had to hit a hundred episodes you know all that stuff and it's like I'm never going to see that episode and I just watched it last week for like the hundredth time in the last six months you know it is I know absolutely crazy like we were so worried that we if we missed it and we weren't there for the first screening we'd never see it again but now it's like Oh, I could pull it up on my phone. Let's watch it. You know, whole databases and channels based on vintage stuff. I follow this one thing that's called Retro Ontario, and like everything from commercials that I remember that are like this sort of like, hey, do you remember that sort of foggy memory? It's there. I can yep. check it out anytime. I, I and it's like, and it's neat because it, it's I love nostalgia. I, I, it's funny nostalgia to me is also tied into storytelling. I mean, I'm a storyteller, and and that's kind of the primary thing of what I do, but I'm a musician, but it, I see it akin to like, I was speaking with a good drummer friend of mine, Dave Patel, and like, he's a very spiritual guy and he's into so many different things and he's an amazing drummer. But as, like, we were like, you know, that's true. Like it's the shaman that he's spoken to and other people, storytelling is a part of medicine, you know, other than what you may consider medicinal herbs and things like in, in, in indigenous cultures and things like that storytelling is not just the information it's the overall envelope of the energy of the story that propels the listener through that character driven explanation that says my god these other potentials are there that i didn't even i'm getting even shivers just feeling it now thinking about even the stories that i remember that i went wait a minute and it, I, all of a sudden, I felt like I was like, my pineal gland goes, and I'm enlightened in some kind of a way that is healing mm-hmm. through the process of storytelling. So I, it, telecommunications, again, gives us that thing in this day and age where I like, I like video chats like this, yeah. you know, doing this with you because we can be ourselves and be expressive text as a dyslexic myself, personally, mm-hmm. the, three, the 3D environment and learning comes from that expressiveness yeah. and the excitement and the passion that can be behind it is what actually electrifies other people. It's not the right answer sometimes all the time, but it's the energy and the passion that pushes them into that next level. I mm-hmm. love that. I love that feeling inside of information going, wait a minute, blah, 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 like a cartoon character. You're yeah. like, oh, oh, wow. You know? Yeah, absolutely. So to bring it to music a little bit, I see an upright bass behind you. That yeah, looks man. very similar to the one my dad has. What three year? quarter? What's that? It's a three quarter. Okay. Is your dad's? Is your dad's a three quarter? 
it it's a I'm not 100% sure all I know is it's like a 1919 K base. Okay, wow. That's that so and it's original. Everything's original on it. Yeah. I I yeah, as far as I know everything's original. Um he found it in the bottom of an abandoned church when he was a young person. You're kidding me. Yeah. You're kidding me. That's what it, I'm going to grab it just quick. Cause I got to talk about it for a second. If I could. Okay. That's a great question because I, it's, a, this is an exciting piece of history. This base is over 275 years old. Oh, wow. And it was made of Bohemia before the Czech Republic was formed. Obviously Czechoslovakia, Slovakia. I'm, I'm Slovak. Um, yeah. and um you used to have moravia bohemia and slovakia now slovakia has its independence back we have mm -hmm. a women, international women's day yesterday yep. she's our, our she's the leader of our country in slovakia but this instrument was an armed forces instrument it was in it was actually in the first and second world war oh wow and it was originally purchased by a guy, and I did a lot of the research just through the, the paperwork that the local museums and archives have. And I, I had this whole idea for a documentary to put together. And uh, he brought this instrument into World War I. It became part of an in infantry instrument. And I'm going to just take the phone off the clip here so I can show you in the audience, maybe. Yeah. Without, without completely destroying myself in the process. Um, here, these are, if you can see any of that, these are, mm -hmm. these are locations and battles that the actual instrument was at. And oh, carved wow. into, the into the side there is actually like Vimy Ridge, France. So this base was at Vimy. This is where like almost 4,000 Canadians died oh, that wow. day. So the se se second division could, could come in yeah. and, and, and do, do what they needed to do. Unfortunately, I hate war, but I hate killing. I'm a pacifist, but... This is the Second World War and different locations in the Second World War. The guys' names, the date that it left, like 1944, 45. It was in London, back in Toronto again. Down in this location down here, this is where it was actually hit by a bullet. And oh, it was wow. reconstructed again. But so this this is this this instrument is is a, is a part of Canadian history. I've at, at one point I had a documentator that was helping me through the process. He does a lot of documentary work for the Canadian Armed Forces about different things that are going on. But like life, you know, things can happen. All of a sudden, you're like, no, I can't do that. Now projects change for moving down the road, just like you were mentioning before. Yeah. It hasn't, it hasn't happened yet, but it will. It will happen. And what's more amazing is that... Like, it worked, yeah. Right? It's all still original, other than the bridge, which is a jazz bridge on here. The tongue's original. To have this still functioning today is is yeah. like for me have owning is one thing, but to to like you know know it still exists yeah. and it has all these stories to tell. The idea was to go back in history, start in the present. I met people ironically that told me stories like, "Hey, my buddy Ted says to me, my dad, uh, my 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 wife's dad, uh, so his father in law would tell stories about how he carried this base." you know, in the second world war and he was in this. So I'm these weird little esoteric pieces of connections are yeah. coming together on people that I haphazardly have met through my life. And then all of a sudden there's this weird connection to the instrument. Yeah. So again, this, this serendipity is finding itself through the process. And I, I, it's, it's like, I feel so honored to, to own yeah. it. It's, it's, it's like, I feel like it owns me.
Yeah. More so than I own it. The, the next appropriate question is how did you come into uh, ownership of it? That's another great question. I was going to Humber College and I was taking jazz and I, and I love, I love music. And my, one of my teachers, Terry Anton, who's a good mentor, a lot of young people coming through that, that time frame. He just said, you know, you got to eventually one day get, you get an upright if you're going to get into jazz and you like jazz so much. He said, my buddy, my buddy, Ken, he's got this instrument and he wants to sell it. And, you know, he's getting some new furniture and, and Ken is, and was a great upright player, but he's also a horn player. And he taught, you know, a lot of brass instruments and he just wasn't playing as often. So he called and said, hey, I got the student, you know, you still want to sell it? He said, yeah. And he, Terry says, well, he wants 10 grand. Wow. <laughs> this, is, this is back in like 19, oh my gosh, I'm dating myself, 88, oh, wow. 89. Yeah. So I, I went to my parents and I said, mom, dad, like, you know, I, I've been working on a farm and I, I was, you know, back then I working on a farm, I made some good money, like yeah. $1,200 a month, depending on what was going on. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, so I saved up and I, and they said, okay, well, if you pay for half of it, we'll pay for the other half. Right. Mm -hmm. And I said, I said, okay. And I remember my dad lending me his car that day, putting the back seats down. Cause I had to get into the back of the car mm -hmm. and it was like a dream almost like this weird feeling like I can't believe I'm buying this instrument. I can't believe this come across my path. I, and I, I swear to God, I spent nights with it lying on the floor yeah. while I was lying down, just like being with it. Like this is yeah. the crazy thing about, I think some musicians even decide that when we get our hands on an instrument, we're excited to play it. We're excited to do things, but there's these reverent moments of connection, like, I remember when I got my Hammond organ, I was like, I just sat there. I like, other than playing it, I was just looking at it. I just want to turn it on and listen to it run, yeah. you know, and this old technology and everything. I was just like, I, I, like a child almost, you know, yeah. like it, it, spellbound by it all. Yeah. So there's, and that, that also is the development and the connection to like that sense of personal thing that happens with an instrument. You know, I'm not Sammy Hagar, yeah. you know, don't, don't don't touch that. <laughs> yeah, don't, I got don't look you. at that. But but <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna put it back in the stand. I'll be right okay. back. Yeah, gotcha. Thanks for letting me tell that story, man. Absolutely. You know, it because it's one of those things where it's like I was talking, or my dad uh, had to. Uh, they decided to take a boat trip, and so he had to like start. Uh, they decided instead of selling their house, uh, they were gonna rent it out. And I asked him what he was going to do with his big K base. And he's like, well, we're either going to sell it or we're, if you want it, uh, we'll figure out a way to get it to you. And I'm like, well, don't sell it. Like, don't be ridiculous. Like I want it. He's like, Oh, I didn't know you wanted it. Like I w didn't know that that was like a thing. And I'm like, this thing is like an ant. This thing is more than an antique. It's a family heirloom at this point. Like, I don't want you just selling it to some guy to go, you know, I don't want you selling it for 50 bucks. You're kind of like, you probably have this look at your face. Like, like, why don't we just give away some of our family members? You know, like, <laughs> I get and, it. And so that his neck, like, and then he starts asking me logical <laughs> questions. He's like, well, you live in an apartment that's already too small for you. Where are you going to fit it? And I'm like, give me three months. I will figure out a where to put this thing. <laughs> 
And so then I just started moving stuff around and now I've got like the perfect spot for it. And it's like, all right, next time you guys come out to visit me, make sure that K base is sitting in the backseat. So, you know, it's one of those things. But I mean, like, how can, how can a musician or somebody that's artistically inclined say no? Like, it's just like the answer would be yes. Yeah. You know, yeah. my, my nephew came to me one day, he goes, oh, my, my buddy's got this sitar in his basement that used to belong to his, his grandfather. Before he could finish, I just went, yes. Yeah. You know, like, I'll take it. If yeah. that's what you're getting at, I'll take yeah. it, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it, like the only thing that I ever had to turn down was my mom's uh, piano. She had an upright piano. And it's like, I don't have, like, I literally can't put an upright anywhere. Like, like, uh, uh, st- yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Is I, I know what I, you mean. I don't have room for that. I'm sorry. It ain't going to work. And so she ended up selling it to somebody and it went to a nice home. So I'm like, okay, cool. But well, that's know. good. And two things about those pianos, like it's alarming. Robert Lowry is here in Toronto. It's like, he's got quarter of a million, a million five Dusseldorfs and yeah. pianos that are exquisitely he can't sell those yeah. pianos that you're talking about like he's putting in dumpsters because nobody wants them that's the sad part of it and yeah. you're mentioning uprights and it's like i have one too and it's like it, it's it's difficult to move it around but yeah. it, again there's this attachment to it my grandmother had cleaned mr heinzman like heinzman pianos his house she used to yeah. like work for him years ago and it, after she had worked for him for 20 some odd years he gave her this piano as yeah. like a gift, like saying, how can I get rid of that? Yeah. How can I get, that's like part of like, my grandmother toiled on the floor cleaning this man's and she get, I can't get rid of that. Yeah. Yeah. I can't. I, I will always find a place for those kinds of things in my, in my life. Yeah. I, I, have, to, <laughs> yeah. I have to. Yeah. It, you know, it was one of those things where it's like, I didn't want it to leave, but it's like, I literally have nowhere to put it. Like, and, you know, it's one of those things where it's just kind of like, okay, you gotta, you, you gotta make some decisions, and that that ended up being the. Uh, I know at least it went to a good, at least it went somewhere where it was going to be loved and and looked after, and somebody would use it. The rightful owner, like yourself, would go, okay, well, it's going to be loved, you know. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But um, to kind of circle back to you, what was your introduction to music like? What got you started in music? My family, really, um, they were their enthusiasm. I, but I am a dyslexic. I, I, it's funny. I, as I get older, I start to more release myself from what people said I had as, as a disability because I, I feel so connected to my living world as a writer, and as a performer, and a player of music. But I also understand that as a, as a dyslexic, my mind functions at an alarming rate sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm so excited about information that it's even sometimes hard for myself to keep up with myself. So it, it was that very thing that my mom went, you know, school's calling, your son's got a problem. You know, he's, he's probably got dyslexia. We're not sure we want to have him tested, but he's hyperactive. Uh, we think maybe Ridland's a good idea. And my mom, you know, she's like a cross between... I don't know, a movie star and, and a scientist. And mm-hmm. she, I love my mom so much. It's ridiculous. I mean, people are like, oh, he's a mama's boy. I don't care. Yeah. I love my no, mom. I, I know. The, yeah. um, but she put, she put it, 
she put a guitar in my hands at an early age because he just said in a nice way, you know, you're, you're full of it. He loves learning. He's excited. And, and, and she spent a lot of her time with me and my sister who's dealt with it all through academics, reading, practicing, reading, word searching because of that, that, that passion that she had for not that we had a problem, but that she wanted to be excited about us learning that we were, we were grasping something Yeah. translated into the fact that when she went, here's a guitar, aside from all this other stuff that we had, to, I know you want to, I was always tinkling on the piano. I was begging them. We drive by this music store, please, can we stop? Can I get a guitar? Like at five, at six, because of their enthusiasm and love for music. Yeah. In the seventies, when I grew up, if you knew lyrics to tunes, if you knew who certain artists were, uh, it was like a rite of passage for, for, for so many different things. Uh, and I felt like it had, because as a young person, you're so, you know, it's impressionable, the things that your family is feeling, that there must be something to this that has some sense of a noble pursuit. I remember coming home when Lennon was shot and or Presley died and people crying in my kitchen, you know, because because of them. Yeah. Because of their the, the the contributions, like like standing, I remember being late at night, and there I am, all my family watching ABC News, candlelight vigil from, you know, uh, from New York City. Where after like people crying, it was as significant as almost losing a family member, mm -hmm. and that, that all that was so impressionable. And then seeing how music drove people in my family, fighting over one record player. The one that looked like the suitcase that you took apart and put on one side of the bed, the speakers were there, you know, who yeah. got record player when that, that even sense of like, or like, I remember this one, like, don't touch the guitar. Yeah. My brother had a guitar. Like, that's the best thing you can tell a young musician that don't touch, don't touch that instrument for sure. For sure. They're going to touch it. Right. Yeah. And that's a good, that's, that's, that's what I'm getting at. It was their enthusiasm and my problem, which I no longer see as a problem. I, I feel it's a gift. And I don't mean that in a way that sense of egotism. I'm re I'm trying to reframe what it represents like Henry Winkler and other people that are out there. They're, you know, talking about their experiences as dyslexics because it's not how we learn. It's what we learn. Yeah. And, and the framework of academics, sometimes, you know, it's I've done a lot of interviews with people, people in the special needs community, people that work with all of those fields. And they all say, you know, it's not that it's the it's how you perceive your information. Talking to other dyslexics, realizing, oh, of course, they struggled. It was this was synonymous in almost every conversation, grade school, high school. When they got to an area where they were tactically connecting to something that they wanted to do, whether they were mechanics, they were artists in some way, all of a sudden they're reading information that was a struggle before because their excitement for the information propelled them into doing it. As opposed to saying, well, here's what you have to regurgitate based on the curriculum and you need to get this kind of a market. If you don't, then you're yeah. really not. That's where education fails people because as an educator myself for almost mm -hmm. 25 years, I know a young child's mind may not be able to go, yeah, I'm going to be a pilot. But at the same time, their enthusiasm for certain things, if allowed to flourish in certain areas, will explode a yeah. past normal academic potential as a result of that. Yeah. So I, 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 I that, that, that's what's fat. That what got me into it a problem, 
and 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 and, and somebody that went no you're not going to do that and say that he's all those things and keep telling him that and i still i still deal with it today if you were to ask me to open up some big book somewhere and start i'd be fumbling and tripping over words i need time yeah. to ingest the information i'm lucky that i have the craft that i have because i can be fluid with my thoughts and ideas in a way that you know reflects not only my living moment but how i'm feeling so i don't have that cumbersome nature of like i love scripts i i can regurgitate scripts like like yeah. that just because i i love the scripts it has that same connection to lyric writing for me yeah so i i i, I I'm happy on the, the journey that I've been on because it's the struggles that have made me stronger. Yeah, absolutely. I a hundred percent agree. And I think that's just universal for everyone. The struggles will make you stronger. The journey will make you appreciate the end result at the end of the day. So. Paulo Coelho, the yeah. alchemist. It's like, I know, and push button mentality, thinking about things that way in the day and age that we live in is all well. I want milk. Boom. Here it comes to the house. Whatever it is, that other, that's not the struggle. The struggle is, is in the real life of when things, like you just said, like, man, the radio show wasn't working and this guy fell through and da 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 da. You learn so much more in that process. I learned so much more in my own processes through that same thing. I love that now. I used to worry about it and feel frustrated about it. And now I yeah. welcome it. Yeah. I welcome it wholeheartedly every day. I'm like, bring it on, man. Bring yeah. it on. Yeah. Even when I'm tired and I don't even feel like doing it, I'm going to do it. I'm yeah. going to do it. Absolutely. Like I'm at a point now where I put stuff out into the universe, A, just so it's out there, and B, knowing, yeah, it may not happen right now, but give it six months, give it a year, give it two years, and it's gonna. we're going to circle back around, and it's like, hey, we need a new video program to produce oh what about this idea and then i pull it back up and there it is you know it, it, it's one of those things where it's like i'd start just putting things out into the universe and eventually it flies right back around and bingo it you know what it, the cir the circle is it because if you stop the circle from rotating that's mm -hmm. that's what that's what it is i was it's crazy some of the things you bring up tom because like in the last week, there's interesting things in conversation, but you know, as a musician, you're like going down a lot of strange roads yeah. and it's tough, but that doesn't mean you should stop. Yeah. P point being is that, like you said, I'm glad I'm putting it out there because I feel like I have to do it. Even if it becomes a document for myself mm -hmm. to look back, I'm happy. I'm happy that I did it. And what I'm more happy about other than any material aspect that I could reap from it is that it's the kind of footprint that i was hoping to leave yeah yeah absolutely. if i don't take that step i'm not gonna make that footprint you know what i mean so in yeah. the end i'm gonna go that's why people say to me i've had this before why don't you write the big song make lots of money yeah. well I'm, I'm making money i'm happy where i am right now i don't need millions of dollars to be doing what i'm doing but i want and I'll, like i'll get twisted on it and i'm dark and i don't give a shit sometimes i'm yeah. like you know what because I hate that kind of attitude sometimes about life. Just make money, 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 money. If I had a lot of money, millions of dollars, I'd give most of it away anyway. I don't need it. Yeah. I'm happy to be able to be creative. But I want the deathbed experience to go, I did it. Yeah. I, I did it I did it because I wanted to do it. Yeah. And for no other reason other than to leave it here as some, you know, that's it. 
I, it's cra as crazy as it sounds. And people are like, well, that's pretty dark. No, it's nothing dark about it. Life is like an amazing, beautiful place, but we're all going to be pushing up daisies one day. I think what, what the track record that we leave here is what's most important. I think, like you said, cosmically putting it out there, it feeds into that. Mm -hmm. The negative and the positive can feed into both sides of it. Where it lies inside of balance is, is not my judgment. Well, and I, I the, think the, it, it belongs to the universe. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the reason I started just putting it out into the universe is because I found myself, I'd have all these really cool ideas with a lot of potential. I wouldn't say anything. I'd just keep it to myself. Oh, I'm going to remember. Don't worry about it. I'll remember. Three days later, it's like, shit, what, what was I thinking about the other day? Yep. There you go. Books. Books filled with stuff like... I'm here. You're talking. I'm trying to keep up. Like it's the same thing. And that's, that's what's exciting about it. Yeah. Is that it's all, it's, you know, when like people would say, well, I taught, read this book and I've read, I'm not discounting anything about philosophy and reading and anything that you can absorb that, that helps that. But what's ironic about it is that as much as we ingest of that, ironically, it's what you just said. When I stop, feel that flow, let it go. It, 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 it is almost divine in nature, not like it's godlike, but it, it has that connectiveness to that sense of like, oh, of course, this is how you connect. Yeah. All those other things that I was so worried about, those fog and cloudiness of thinking negativity, but well, the project might not work. Even if it's as simple as that, it might not work. Yeah. We got, I, I, crazy to sound like I've got almost a half a million dollars of commercial work out there pending. Yeah. I, I don't know if it'll all work. Maybe it will. I'm just saying, like all of us who are working on the project, like, well, it's out there. That's what's more important yeah. that we did it. We could did it. We're getting better at doing what we're doing. That's, that's it. Yeah. The ride is, 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 is a big part of it. It's not getting just to the destination. That's why I brought up Paulo Kalelo. It's like yeah. the sort of mythos of, of the whole thing. You know, it's, it's not the gold of the pyramids at the end of the journey. It's the journey itself. Yeah. And knowing that, that you can function in it, it's, it's, it never ceases to amaze me. So once you relinquish yourself from it all, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, my God, what's going on here? I have this sense of clarity that I've never had before. But, but, and flow, that, that you're almost not even questioning through the process. That's yeah. what's fascinating about it, right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It's amazing. And, you know, it, it's one of those things where we decided early on during the whole Live and Amplified thing that we it was going to take a lot for us to turn down an opportunity. Like it, uh, early, like within the first year, we got invited to be media for a bluegrass festival down in the Florida Keys. Like basically, because uh, early on live and amplified, it was we did podcast and then we did uh, live uh, recorded acoustic sessions. So basically filming and recording live acoustic sessions. And I was, wow. my mom introduced me to a, uh, a festival promoter that she had ran into because they were uh, vacationing down in the Keys. And they were like, hey, we met this guy. We told, kind of told him about you. And uh, we gave him your number. So you all should talk. And so we started talking. And he's like, yeah, I can't pay anything. But if you guys want to come down and work with some of the artists, cool. We'll, we'll give you all access pass, all that stuff. And I was living in Roswell, New Mexico at the time. So we drove from Roswell, New Mexico to the south. Not the most. We didn't go all the way down to Key West. It was in the upper Keys. But still, we drove all the way down to the Florida Keys. 
and back in the course of five days. And we worked with various musicians along the way, you know, and we took it as an opportunity, like, Hey, we may not be able to make this. We may not ever be able to do this trip again. You know, like this was an expensive trip. It may never happen again, but we worked with musicians in West Palm beach. We worked with musicians in Miami, Florida keys, musicians we worked with in the Florida keys. They were from all over the place. And it was just like, that expanded our network. Like it doubled our network at the time. Like now it's, you know, maybe 10% of our network, but it doubled our network at the time. And it's like, yeah, this was definitely worth it. And we've been back every year, not COVID years, but we've been back every year since. So. But that's, you just said, hit it on. That's great, man. And, and that story is amazing too, because it, it outlines the sense of like, well, opportunity is there. It may not be a sure thing, but all those other things that you, you were talking about connections to other musicians going down through the process. Yeah. It was expensive. I, I know those ventures. We had the same yeah. thing in Austin playing at South by Southwest three days of, it was driving three days there, 30 hours, 36 hours, play the show, turn around, come back. Cause we, there was other work happening, yeah. but it, but I'm so glad it happened. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 and what transpired, well, I met a lot of really interesting people, made some neat connections. Have they all panned out? No, yeah. but that's okay. Because it, like you said, it's it, that why turn down an opportunity? I mean, as a younger player, I'm not going to lie. I'm sure a lot of the people like, and even the, well, no, I don't want to do that because it's not my thing and da 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 That's the that's part of the ego talking, but it's okay because you're still trying to figure out who you are. You know, you're yeah. defined by those things at some certain points. Yeah. But when you start going, well, what the hell? Why not? Let's see what happens. I'll give it a shot. And there's all the, these other all, she's just like, wow. And at the end of the day, the way you really have to look about it is there's two things that are gonna that are gonna happen regardless. You're gonna have a story to tell. <laughs> and you're going to know later on down the line when it's something more along the lines of what you really want to do, you know, you're going to be able to do it because you did something that you didn't think you could do. You know what? You're right. Cause you know, what? it's the story. We're back to that again. That's the food. Yeah. That's a bit, that's, that's a, such a big part of it. Like allegory, your own personal allegory, family allegory, your, your, what you do in your occupation, all of those things. And, and I look back at some of those moments and I go, yeah, you know, 36 hours in a passenger van with, you know, people that are half asleep and getting grumpy because you're in the car. And, but at the end of it, you're standing in a redwood forest and along comes William Shatner on a quad and goes, hey, how's it going? And then yeah. drives away again. And you're like, what just happened here? You yeah. know, like it, it makes everything that was difficult about it and the playing, the music and connect that's that's obviously the antithesis of it all but those little pock marks of craziness that happen you're like i can't believe that happened you know that was just insane you know yeah. like i love that i love that yeah absolutely i mean I, I could sit here for the next hour and a half like just out of opportunities we've taken advantage of some of the shit that has happened to us like some of the stories we have I, I could sit here and entertain you for the next hour and a half, just telling you I've, I, of the five years that we've been doing this, all the stories, all the things that have happened, I could, yeah, it, it's insane. And I'm excited for the next hundred years. Like if I live to be 133, 
and we're still doing it at that point. Like, imagine all the stores. Who knows? Genetically, maybe you'll be like, you could go through a whole thing. Yeah. And be like, you know, be the first like 250 year old living man since Methuselah or something. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's just all about taking advantage of the opportunity and, you know, just going for it when you get it. So, a hundred percent, and that's why I was saying it's like the relinquishment of the ego. Like when I was in college, it was like jazz, 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 you know. And then when I got out of college, it was like, well, yeah, there's jazz, 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 and I can make some cash from jazz, jazz, jazz. But there's all this other stuff, yeah, you know. And and I, it's enriched me so much. Yeah, like I, it, yeah, yeah, like just having this conversation now, I look back at some of the stuff that I messed up when I like when I was going through college I had so many really cool opportunities that I took advantage of or that I'd taken but I didn't take advantage of them like I I was very strong-headed and I screwed them up so basically a couple of a couple of instances when I was doing a documentary about a disabled professional wrestler um, he had a uh, cerebral palsy. He was from Cleveland, Ohio. And I was like, Oh, that'd be a really cool story. Um, and so I interviewed him, his family, his friends. And funny enough, he didn't tell me that this guy was going to be there, but so we're doing all these interviews and I was like, okay, do we have anybody else coming in? He's like, yeah, we got one more guy. He should be, actually, he just walked in and I turn around and it's this guy I've watched wrestle a hundred times all over the place and i look and i'm like holy fuck okay and you know it, it was you know so i like it, it was a really big moment for me and then as we kind of go through the production process i start like overdoing the entire thing it's like oh i've got big ideas for this we're gonna do this we're gonna do that we're gonna do this and the project's not even done yet so and it it kind of didn't sit well with a lot of people. So I screwed that one up. And then, you know, just a bunch of stories like that. So. But know. I mean, that's, I, I, we've been there and that's okay. I think what's neat about some of those people and experiences that we've had, like you mentioned, like when I met Alex Lifeson, like from Rush, I, I mean, I covered uh, the spirit of radio on, on a double album that I put out and I, you know, contacted Anthem and, it all happened and filed everything properly and mm -hmm. talked to the offices. But then I, I was playing this event that a friend of mine organized and had for a number of years to raise money for, for kids. And he was there and I got to meet him and talk to him and, and sit down for like a 45 minutes or an hour, just chit chatting about whatever. But when I first met him, I'm like, I mean, he was an idol from rush guitarist. Yeah. Like here he is, you know, I'm, I'm talking with him. And I remember walking up to the table and I was like, blah, 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 like, just like, I was a bumbling idiot. Because yep. I remember being like 12 or 13 years old. There he is at this little movie store renting movies with his wife. When I'm with my buddy, when we're kids and we're like, you know, sheepishly going up to him with a piece of scrap paper, Mr. Lifeson, can we have your autograph? And here I am years later, sitting down, talking with the man after covering one of their songs going, you know, I, I, I came up to you in Richmond Hill with this piece of paper and asked you for your autograph. And he goes, I remember that. Yeah. He was actually like, and, and we laughed about all that, the dispelling of that for, he made it feel so comfortable. But I remember feeling like I'm a, I was like beat red, like a bumbling idiot. 
Yeah. Hello, Lyson, mister. I'm Roman Edward. I, you know, I was like all over the place. My dyslexia is kicking in. My nervousness is going through the roof. But I realize it's just a person, just like everybody else. He's yeah. achieved a lot of really amazing things yeah. and done a lot of. But as I get older, I'm realizing there's people like that everywhere. Yeah. In Absolutely. life that have this this sense of the stuff that they can offer. It just doesn't have to be put on a pedestal always. Yeah. Right? Well, it's one of those things where it's like there's certain people out there that they're glorified for their talents, whether that's they're an athlete, whether they're a musician, whether they're an author, actor, politician, whatever, you know, they're glorified for this talent that they have and they get this godlike, not aura, but like perception. And then when you meet them, it's kind of like, no, they're just a human that just happens to be good at one or a lot of things and people know him for that. Well, that's it. Like, I mean, I'm not Bruce Springsteen or, you know, Bruce Lee, or I'm bringing up Bruce's, but like, I mean, people have said to me like, wow, like you've become famous. Like you're really well known and da -da 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 -da. you're like a rock star or whatever it is. I'm like, I never, I never felt that way about myself. Because those people that I aspired to be like were very open about what they did and how they did it. And I, 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 it was a great part of education for me is knowing that some of my mentors were that way. Like Mingus, the struggles that he went through was also extremely communicative in his mm -hmm. community, not just amongst his peer group, but anybody that would ask him questions. Yes. Dizzy Gillespie was the same way. When I met Herbie Hancock, it was like he put his arm around me and hugged me. And here I'm being hugged by one of my legends. One of the very phrases that the man writes that I almost use on a weekly basis is hugging me. You know, I, I'm humbled and it's, but how is it for them? What, what is that feeling? It's hard for me, even just as a normal person to take a compliment for certain things, just because I don't know, for me in the weirdest of ways, I don't want to feel that's the end of something. Because I always see that there's something else in some way. There's always some way to move through through things. I like recognition, especially when it's like, because I've done something good. I'm helping yeah. somebody. But like, I'm not better than anybody else. I've just yeah. struggled. I've gotten to where I am today. I'm happy where I am. If a lot of people know about it, well, that's kind of what I do because I work in the entertainment field and I'm a communicator. But I don't want to be ever one of those people in those positions. I think it's really it's weird I, and it can destroy people yeah. they can buy into their like zappa was a great mentor for that don't buy into your own ego keep working zappa yeah. would like record music and he wouldn't sit there and listen to it i listen to my music when i'm going through production because yeah. i want to know it sounds a certain way and stuff but i don't put it on and listen to it yeah i want to keep moving forward in this way knowing i'm creating every day yeah. in the end it all sorted itself out. I yeah. just want to know I was I was doing good things. Yeah. And what's really scary is when you go to like a show and you see somebody that is got a little bit of a following, but they've got that massive ego, like they've got a hundred millions of followers. And it's like, yo, if you ever make it, what's that situation going to be like? Well, I, I and I've seen it. I've yeah. worked in studios and I'm not going to name names, yep. but I've no, seen no, everything. Never name people. names. No, no, I don't want to do that. Cause it's not, it's more about the story. Yeah. That's again, story, part of the storytelling. I could say it's a, it's a rock and a fish. Yeah. So, you know, the rock says, 
yeah, come on in. What do you want to talk about? How are you doing today? And you're like, oh my God, I'm in a room with so-and-so. And then on the other scale, I've seen, hi, my child is dying of cancer. W would you sign this eight by 10 glossy? No, no, don't talk to so-and-so. Uh, you can't, you know, this can't be happening here right now. No, so-and-so won't be signing anything today. The woman's child is dying of cancer. All they want is some acknowledgement. They've participated in everything that you've done thus far. The mm -hmm. woman is, be is begging you. How can you say no? So that's where it's oh, ego has overridden common sense. Somebody's yeah. dying. Where's your sense of empathy, man? Yeah. Um, yeah. So you're I, right. I, I've seen it on even on like smaller scales of that matter where the guy just though somebody's uh, just got done playing like a semi-decent bar gig. And one, a little girl came up and asked for their autograph because they really like their music. And he's like, oh, I don't sign autographs. And it's like, you serious right now? Like, this is, you are in the customer, like you're a musician, but you're in the customer service business. At the end of the day, you need to treat that little girl like it's your sister. Like you, now, if you treat your sister like that, that's a whole different story, but you know <laughs> well it's not neil armstrong you know let's say the story about neil armstrong he wouldn't sign autographs that was the whole thing but he had there's a whole philosophical reason for it neil wasn't an idiot or an ass yeah he just was had it was a whole other thing i think he learned to he said from charles Lindbergh or something like that yeah. but uh yeah i i don't get i don't get that about that thing like it's that's why i say a lot of my heroes other than having unbelievable prowess yeah that would be like you know I, they, it's like it's like it's like knowing a martial art you know one of the things i love some of my friends that are connected to that part of the world is that it's like it's not a weapon to be wielded out of malice it's there's a form of protection when you have that kind of strength and agility it's nothing to be trifled with your ego has to wrestle with what that all represents mm -hmm. and, and and a big part of the ego inside of the industry does that and and maybe so much so to a point where it's like i can understand where it's like if, if it's insane yeah. You know, people won't leave you alone and you need some space. But in other cases, I think that if you project something well enough, people will understand and give you that respect. I, I love people like Keith Richards. Sometimes he'll say, you know, I just create a, enough of a bit of insanity so it attracts the right people and propels the, and, and pushes away the right people. Right. The wrong yeah. people. Excuse me. Or Lennon, like the story, like in Imagine, where the guy's living in his bush. And security finds him and he's been there for three days thinking that the lyrics that Lennon are, is writing are about him. You know, what does Lennon do? Instead of having him ejected, he's talking to him and then eventually brings him into the house, giving him tea, toast, making sure he's like warm and taken yeah. care of. That's, that's a, you know, his privacy is being invaded. He's a human being. Yeah. But at the same time, he's not going to say, eject you know like let's figure out this seems timid it seems okay he needs help he obviously hasn't eaten in days you know let's look yeah. after the guy yeah uh, it's that's that's the part of humanity that should never leave us to what in terms of whatever we do yeah you know felt helping our fellow men right we also need our space <laughs> yep absolutely absolutely um so where are you i know you'd mentioned that um you do a lot of commercial music production 
Uh, but where are you kind of at creatively right now? I noticed that you uh, released some new music in 2020 after taking what looks to be a little bit of a, at least as far as releasing your own music, uh, looks like you took a little bit of a break. But where are you kind of at right now creatively? I, I'm not, I'm, I'm so, I'm so, I feel so connected to writing and, and putting music out and being creative every day. It's, I took a hiatus, not because I wanted to just to take a break. Yeah. I write a lot of material and sometimes I feel that sometimes language and when you write it, like you say, you never know when it's going to be necessary. That in the living moment is when I like seeing language connect. Mm -hmm. Here we're talking about Herbie Hancock. The definition of an artist is one who has the ability to fuse their life of the rhythm of the times. That was a quote of his on the back of Jaco Pistorius's first album. And with that said, I, I looked at a lot of material and went, it's not, I'm not ready. Uh, and now I'm realizing that there's never really a time to be ready. You just have to keep continually creating. Yep. So I, I set aside a time to go, okay, let's record all this stuff that's been sitting in escrow and get it done. And in that process, it, uh, there's been an incredible change in the functioning of the music that was already there getting distribution through sony with mts and, and who i'm with michael stover in the united states has opened a door mm -hmm. for so many other things including commercial work that i would normally not have done and i don't care people are like well you're already releasing material and you're getting lots of views and you're uh, making money at releasing songs why would you go and do commercial work yeah, because it's it's opportunity, it's yeah. potential. I'm I'm working every day. I'm getting stronger in some way. Somebody throw, can you do this? I don't know. I've never done it before. Let's try it. Yeah. Let's see what happens. Yeah. That you... that that has even made me even more excited to work. So I'm 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 excited to bring all this new mu music to people yeah. uh, and new videos and things that are coming out and a new obviously vinyl album that I'm releasing come spring, late spring, early summer of of 2021. So I, I just want to keep working. That's where I am. I feel so creative, despite there's all this craziness going on. I heard you say the magic word, I think, but we'll jump into that in a second. Um, <laughs> the w one thing I I really enjoy, though, about uh, you bringing up all the commercial work and the different challenges is you might get, by you doing commercial work and taking those opportunities, somebody may come to you and say, hey, can you do a reggae inspired song? And you might have the opportunity to push yourself outside of your comfort zone. Exactly. And not only that, through that, I'm connecting to another world. One mm -hmm. of the crazy things about the music that I've written, Oracles and Ice Cream was a double album that had everything from spoken word, rock numbers, funk numbers, zany stuff, plus a whole intermingled half of the record was gypsy jazz fusion uh, it was a whole kitchen sink of different stuff letters from high latitudes more songwriting orientated but again a wide breadth of different kinds of styles red omen same thing it has an envelope of an idea but there's a lot of different ideas going on on the record all of those things share the same principle yeah they're all uh, but th that was the thing how do we pigeon? How do we pigeonhole you, Ed? How do we how do we market this? Not Mike, 
prior to even meeting Mike, well, we can't sell you because it's all over the map, but it's not organized in a way. So people know that you're this, you're rock, yeah. you're disco, you're funk, your country. That hindrance, just because I didn't want to, I didn't want to write that way. Yeah. Writing to me and the, the human experience doesn't work that way. I don't want to wear the same clothes every day, eat the same food every day. I don't want to, you know, I want my life experience to be changing. They might go gravitate to certain things again, but again, it was like just going through that process. I'm realizing now that's my strength. I can now, like you said, with a reggae tune, connect to a different community, yep. the country things that I do, whatever it is, there's some aspect of it that I'm so excited that other people might go, well, I don't, I don't really like that. It's not really my thing, but I like this. Yeah. I grew up listening to artists like the Beatles, Stevie Wonder, yep. that were offering this wide spectrum of ideas. Why would you want to pigeonhole yourself and, and say, I'm just this? I'm a musician. Again, my mentors, Mingus, talking on my shoulder. Yeah. You're a musician. He was, he'd say, he'd go to Europe, they'd call him an American artist. They wouldn't say he's a jazz musician. He was. But also one of the more formidable, you know, composers of the 20th century when it came to, like, construction inside of orchestration of jazz music. Yeah. He considered, I'm a musician. Mingus, yeah. after he went through his thing, the guy wandered around New York City with cameras taking photos for five years and completely detached from music. Well, wow. until Ellington, until Ellington said some really amazing things that sort of brought him back online. But cathartically, he probably needed to do that. He was going through a lot of issues. I could talk for hours about Mingus, but again, it's it's music. Why shut yourself off? The potential, yep. like you said, is always there. Why ignore it? Yeah, absolutely. It'd be, it'd be insane. It'd be insane to do. Absolutely, absolutely, a hundred percent agree. So but, uh, yeah, to answer your question, sorry. Yeah, I'm happy where I am right now, man. I'm really happy where I am right now. Awesome. But you said the magic word. At least I think you oh. did. You brought up vinyl. You're, yeah. you, so you're going to release your next album at the end of the year is going to be 100% vinyl or is it going to be a mix of vinyl, CD, digital? Like what's kind of the... Well, that's if that's to CDs. Like, I mean, do I manufacture? I mean, I've got CDs that I've got out there through CD Baby, and you can order them on Amazon yeah. and things like that. And our distributor has physical copies in hard locations. Uh, I I think vinyl is has got this sense of attenuation for the consumer that again brings me back to that. This is how we want to participate. It also yeah. connects them that much more to the artist, yep. less of the less of the in between. I'm from that old era of that stuff. It will be designed to fit the time length. The last record I put out, I did want to do on vinyl. And then I started having to realize I got to admit three or four or five, maybe songs in order to fit into the demographic of the space of the record. Yeah. So this album is going to be designed to be fit, to fit properly, but it will be out there in the digital. It'd be yeah. insane not to have it out there in the digital yeah. and, and, and doing what it needs to do. So it'll have both. But I, I'm, I, it's going to be called a recipe for perpetual spring. Gotcha. The two, the two later singles, more late, uh, stronger. It's out there. It's already in the hundred thousands of views. Excuse me. I think it's sitting about eighteen k, seventeen k right now, and the new and the new single as well is out. So they'll both be on the record. But again, it's it's a yesteryear approach. You know, before record albums and CDs and everything that we're talking about. You know, people just put out singles. Yeah, that's kind absolutely. of where we're at, where we're at today. So once I put out a bunch of singles, which I've already done in the last six months, uh, here will be the the album. Yeah. You know, it fits in a little book, and uh, that's that's the that's the goal. So yes, I did see say the V word. 
Yes. And I'm and excited, here's excited why it is the magic word. I'm, I can see it in my left hand over my left shoulder here, but I've got a nice little uh, studio, uh, a little suitcase uh, record player sitting right next to my TV. Oh, killer. And so I now when I go to independent shows, I uh, if they have vinyl, I'm going to pay the 30 bucks or, you know, like whatever, whatever they end up having to charge because vi- like getting small batch vinyl is so expensive. I 100% get that. You know, yeah. Even for a small run, you're pushing at like five grand singles. Like to do a flip side AB, like a forty-five style thing, it's probably about half that. Yeah. But I mean, your registered outcome for what normal record sales should be should definitely match that, and you're gonna make a profit on those kinds of things. Yeah. That's the other. That's the other side of the industry that a lot of you know musicians are navigating now is more what all that represents on a business level. And, and that's another thing that they don't necessarily teach you in cook, school or college when you're going through music college. But today, maybe there's more of that happening and, and a lot of sharing of information about how all that works. I like that in, in this environment, you know, people like talking about, well, this is what I did and the process and how I'm, I'm connecting with my audience. The process is such a big part of what connects me to the people that I work with and that listen to my music. I'm, I like describing you know, why the song exists and why I wrote it. But a, a big part of, well, how did it get there is what's electrifying. I think that even for myself, when I'm watching somebody go through something and like, wow, I didn't know. And then there's this historical research or whatever it might be. That's all a big part of why I then fall in love with it, you know, is, is all that process of it. So, I, I, you know, yeah, vinyl and putting out the record, I, I'm planning on actually, you know, doing a lot of social media, not just plugging of the record, but talking about that process yeah. again, because it's, it's really interesting. It's encouraging too, to see a lot of younger people, you know, in their early twenties or even younger saying, Hey, I'm buying vinyl. Yeah. I got a hold of my dad's old vinyl record collection. And I, you know, to Canadian tire here, are like, you know, sort of national store, you can buy a great Victrola Bluetooth unit speakers. If you want RCA outs on them, yeah. decent you know stylist on it and play records right away for 35 bucks yeah yeah Come that's on. it's great it's great yeah it really is um so yeah like the what i what drew me to vinyl was just like when i go to shows like there was a point there where it seemed like everybody was just doing like the digital download cards and it felt so impersonal. It was just like, Oh, I'm giving you 10 bucks and you're giving me a little card to go scan and download your album. Okay. That's cool. And it's futuristic, but oh, I don't have any vinyl sitting next to me. It's all back there and I'm not going to get up to go get it. But I, there was a band that I met doing the podcast that they were getting ready to they were work when i interviewed them they were working on their next album and they were releasing it as vinyl and just the artistry that went into the cover that went in like just the artistry behind it and the fact that yeah i paid 35 dollars for it but i've got a piece of art sitting right here that is amazing like even the vinyl that itself it's not your traditional black vinyl it's a uh, they did like a cool uh, like a tie dye effect on it, and so it looks really cool, just like the vinyl itself. 
Oh wow! Super Tramp, Breakfast to America. This is just on the more current, you know, Zeppelin one. Yeah, I'm going back into my history here. Sergeant Pepper. Oh wow! That's the one thing. That's the one thing that irritates me is when I was in grade school, my mom gave me her her personal record player from when she was a kid and all her records. And I couldn't ever get it to work because the record player didn't connect with the speakers that I had. Or, you know, there was, it was all like, I'm like nine years old. So I don't know anything about it, like real electronics at that point. Um, but just like thinking about the albums that I remember she having, it's like, dang, I can't believe we sold those in a garage sale. You know, but Tom, I know what you mean. Even when I was probably around 93, yeah, 94, I remember walking the streets of Toronto. I was sort of living down there and I come across like on the garbage day. Yeah. Aside from garbage bags, boxes yeah. of records that people were just throwing out. People like calling me, do you want records? Do you want records? I don't want them anymore. What do you want from nothing? Just take them, take them, take them, take them, take them, take them. I mean, I got hundreds of records that way. Yeah. But you said something so prolific, which was, it's in your hands. This, right? It's not in the ether, just in your phone. That's in your hands. But somehow this process, what goes into this and what it becomes as a part of the expression of the entire output. Yeah. That's what a lot of younger people, when I was teaching, and I get a student or something like, well, what do you want to work on? Well, this, this, that. And okay, well, let's look at your iPod or your phone or whatever they wanted to do. And, I, and I'd open it up and I'd see a certain album by a certain artist, not only recognize it, open it up. There's only one track. That's fine. I get it. It's like the A-side or whatever they fell in love with. I don't want to discourage them in any way. But a big part of why I maybe bought this was because of an A or B-side that I yeah. heard. I listened to that first Yeah. when I brought it home. My buddies were sitting around doing whatever. But eventually, the overall outcome of what is the next song yeah. and how does this flow and what is a bigger part of all of this saying that the conceptualized idea of what an album represented other than just a grouping of a and b songs took on yeah. a whole new meaning and as an artist thinking about that process becomes even more of a an exciting journey into like well other than all these little things saying these different things and organized songs and ideas what is the bigger picture saying that's an exciting feeling putting work like that together and mm-hmm. presenting it that way. Yep. It even has, for me personally, people are like, well, why do you call an album an album? Why do you title it and say that it's anything? Like we're in a singles market. Because for me, somehow those 15 songs, those 12 songs, they belong together. They're, they're part of this family of ideas. Mm-hmm. There's some common thread, even though there may be this diversity inside of what they are that's all kind of inside of the expression of yep if you will Absolutely. so that's that's that that's why these things i think are are a great idea because they're also an educational process through yep. all of the thinking behind it right yeah it's fascinating it's fascinating what and to kind of touch on something that you brought up vinyl like vinyl forces the musician or forces two things in my opinion it forces the musician to think of a complete story, not just one song. So you have to like, 
okay, track one's going to be this. And then what track two, you know, you got to tell a complete story because especially one thing about vinyl is if you're listening to a full length vinyl, you can't, it's not real easy to skip tracks. No, it's not like, I mean, some people can do it, but you can't really skip tracks. So you go on like this, man. Yep. And so your, your real bet is you have to just listen to the full album and experience it. And so it forces the listener to uh, listen to a full complete story. Like, Imagine if you read books and it's like, oh, I only like chapter 12. So I'm going to skip to chapter 12 and just read that. It's like, mm, you're missing the whole point of the book. Exactly. Exactly. And what's the other thing you were going to say that it also does other than that it forces the, it forces oh, and, the artist. So what I kind of mer- it forces the artist to think in the same capacity of. Right. Not just single hits. You got to think like you got to think in the matter of a complete story, because if you put a, if you put like the wrong songs next to each other, it throws off the complete flow of the album, and it's like right, yeah, right, yeah. Song order is essential. Like even if you are in a in a singles environment, I mean, Mike Jack and I, my producer and and engineer, we do this. We banter back and forth on what we think because I so value his opinion on that exact thing you just said, the flow of it. Yep. And it's crazy because he's so attenuated to what I'm doing and all the artists that he works with that it's I, so often we're so close in our decision-making process through it because we've been working intimately on the material for months. We understand its purpose, you know, so much so that eventually we want to get away from it and move on to other things, but, and that's healthy, but it it, it, it it starts to reveal itself. Even like, I think the process of album making led people and asked those questions. I remember the first time I got turned on to Jeff Rotal and somebody said, well, here, listen to Thick as a Brick. 47 minutes of continual music. Yeah. Like what the, Sergeant Pepper that I had brought up, you know, yeah. Yeah. They all have this sort of idea in, in behind them that maybe the who, Tommy, turns into a rock opera. All of these things started to go, well, yeah, we can do this. It was like carte blanche. When it, you're like, sure, why not? Let's try. Let's see what happens. Four album, quadruple album, quadrophenia. Like, I mean, it pushed even technology yeah. in ways to say, well, can we do this? How do yeah. we make this happen? You know, the evolution of moving from 45 to 78 or, or 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 all of that it dictates well we need more space how do we make this happen how can we get more information on it because we want to say more through the process so it's it's fascinating it's like technology pushes us and we push it yep we we're, we're best we're best friends and sometimes worst enemies yep <laughs> absolutely it goes back to uh, what we were talking about before we jumped on here about your setup and not working with some stuff and you have to go back to the most basic of ways of doing things with your um, interface setup, not being recognized. Yeah. So. Because like, go with it. You know, I mean, even that part of technology, which we sometimes fail to remember, especially when we have experienced something for a long period of time, a certain medium. Yeah. Is that, well, it's not polished. It's not produced. It's not. And I can understand where, like, listen to Carol Burnett, man. She's amazing. Talk about 
the show, the writers, what went on to putting on a show? I mean, it's alarming the amount of people that are involved and in a good way, because that's the industry. It provides yep. jobs and all that is wonderful. But the same thing can have that approach with something that I'll call guerrilla, where there isn't a budget that people might not totally know what they're doing. Uh, but somehow through that process of struggle of trying to understand that the, the relevancy of having to worry so much about all that production isn't as important as capturing the idea. You know, Francis Ford Coppola in the interview that he did when he was talking about, you know, filmmakers apocalypse, it was called Hearts of Darkness about making apocalypse now, you know, and, and there's wonderful little script and, you know, stuff that was, but at the end, near the end of the film, he says, so what, somebody says, so where do you think filmmaking is, go is going? And he says, I think, some little girl from Idaho is going to get her dad's handicam and change the way the face of the industry is changed. And that's what's happened. Yep. In essence, I've seen people creating unbelievable artistic stuff in the most simplistic of ways, just because they have that passion and inertia from kids that are seven years old to people that are in their nineties, yep. still doing it. Yep. And I'm like, bravo, man. Cause it's all there and it's rough embankment of idea. And it can go to polished, it can go to produced, it can be all of those things, but it can also just have that raw potential that we all fell in love with. As, a, as like a, a, a historian and an aficionado of yesteryear's music, I love hearing those imperfections. Yep. Like, I don't know if it's like a Zeppelin fanatics out there, it's like during the solo in the ocean, yeah. when Paige is playing the solo, you can hear a studio telephone, an old ringing telephone. Oh, really? Yeah, wow. ring. Listen closely and you'll hear it, which means somewhere there was bleed. They yeah. picked that up. It didn't matter. That is an iconic tune. And I don't care that the phone's ringing on it. Youssef yeah. Latif, people are so in interested in quantizing. Youssef Latif album, I could listen to a track that maybe speeds up by four to six BPMs per minute from the end of the track to the beginning of the track beginning to the end and i don't care i love it i love the fact that the human experience exists in the capturing of that without it being quantized and being clinical yep and and and, and we have to remember that about the day i reminded myself i've been reminded by people saying you know what that's okay let it happen and that's been a wonderful part of my education process is just saying okay let it happen yep. i don't care it's not that they don't care but just keep working and forging forward and embracing it all. That's the most healthiest thing you can do. Yeah. One of my favorite things to do is to listen to the old, like um, it wasn't just blues music, but for me, that's what I equate it to is where it's like the big band, they're all playing blues music and they're all playing to one mic and recording the imperfections in that. So you got like this big band playing around one singular mic and having to have volume control so that the singer can sing into said same mic and not get drowned out. Distance recording, drums at the back, you know, quiet vocalist up front, yep. horn section somewhere in front of the drum kit, piano player in front of the horn section, guitarist in front of the piano player, and all that one mic monophonically is capturing you know buddy holly in the buddy holly story with gary Busey, when he was talking to the producers after they got their supposed first deal in nashville and it went just like haywire and it was terrible it never happened 
Yeah. You know, but I remember a bit like the, the script lines, like Buddy Holly's like, look, what we do is we play in music. It's no formal arrangement, but when it feels right, we put it on the tape and we move on. And, and, and it's the same thing. Uh, we, I love that era for that reason alone, because all of its scratchiness and what Billy Holiday recordings, it doesn't matter what it is. It has that amazing feeling like, oh, my, I say to myself, aside from it being so cool hearing that era of capturing, I'm so happy they did. Absolutely. I'm so happy that they, that we have those moments in time as snapshots of, of the art and the technology. It's, yep. I, it's like I said, I, I feel lucky. People are like, I don't feel lucky right now because of everything that's going on. I'm always trying to reframe my day and energy when it comes to what all that is and trying to look at the positive sides of so many things that are happening right now. Not just for me, myself, but things that I, I see happening everywhere. So again, it's a, it's a part of that. I'm relinquishing myself from the worry of it and saying, I'm here now, I'm excited to be here now, and what can I do now? And if it means using my iPhone one day or using my, my, my big system, I don't, it's not like, like I said, it's not like I don't care. I just wanna keep creating all the time. I like for short, man. You know, yeah. I, as I got, I got older, I was like, people like, you know, you're young. Time is so elastic. Yeah. You know, somebody says, oh, school holiday, right? And it's like, oh my gosh, June, and the end of June and July and August is like an eternity. You know, and then when you're college too, like I'm going home for break and March break and I'm getting off early and whatever it might be like after reading week. And then as you get a little older, you start realizing, my gosh, those are just, it's so, it's moving so fast. Yeah. And, and when you look back at it, you're like, I can't believe all that happened. I can't believe I'm here where I am today. I, I don't know where I'm going, but I sure am liking, the, enjoying the ride a lot more because I'm appreciating what that time is yep. in the weirdest of ways. And I, 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 I think that if you, if you look at a garden, you could say it's full of weeds Yep. or you could say it's full of potential. Yep. Every generation, even that's the wonderful thing about grandparents and people that parents that are still around today, they're always a go-to for what those experiences were like because they struggled. They may have lived through wars, immigrating, learning new languages, whatever it may have been that they were, were their personal struggles. But it's their struggles, again, that made them stronger and realizing that it's the disposition that they held through the process is what staved off so much of what could have destroyed them. Yeah. Aside from personally, mentally, emotionally, all of those kinds of things. That's yeah. what I think I gotta, I remind myself every day, I'm, I'm lucky yeah. that I live in this day and age because so much is going on in an amazing way. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> But I don't want to keep you too much longer because I just okay, looked man, at, okay. I, I just looked at the clock and I was like, oh, holy crap! Um, you know, one I like of those moments because you're so into you. you're so into the uh, moment and the conversation. It's like, oh, wow, okay, um, dude, it's crazy. I, I know you just. I, I'm happy to talk, and I like talking to you, man. And that you, what's great about this show and your show is that it's just open. It's not scripted. It's nothing. Go so I don't feel like time has passed. I just feel like I'm talking to a buddy. You know yeah, what I mean, yeah. So yeah. appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but one of the things that we do like to do on this show that, like, not really scripted, but um, we like to pass on not. And we've been talking about this pretty much 
throughout the entire podcast, but just to kind of nail it home, we like to pass on knowledge to the young musicians out there. We like to pass on one piece of tidbit of advice, whatever. So from your perspective, what's one piece of advice you would give to a young musician that's either just getting ready to start or make that first big step into this crazy life that we call the music business? Uh-huh. It's a good question. Um, that's a big, que- and a big question too, but the easiest advice I would, I would think is what I've learned most in the last little while is always be yourself. And with that said, we're defined by our influences, which could be our limitations. In other words, love who you love, learn from them, experience what they can offer you, but don't remember that you're not them. You're you. That's the most important thing is to be yourself every day and express yourself every day. It may not be like we talked about before, the kinetic reward immediately. That's not what it's supposed to be about. It's a continual journey of growth, experiencing and expression. So just be yourself and enjoy the ride. Yep. Don't worry so much about it. You know, learn every day. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Couldn't set it better myself. And it was a nice summary of 90% of the stuff that we talked about today. Um, Thanks, man. But uh, for people that want to check out what you got going on, want to check out the new singles that you released, uh, I almost said this year, but it was last year. It's one of those things where it's like, I don't even know what time is anymore. COVID's completely screwed me up. I don't even know what time is anymore. Um, I know that I know the planet's tipping towards the sun. So that's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So uh, where's the best place for people to check you out and uh, give your music a listen? You're going to hear everything um, or get everything either on iTunes or Amazon, physical copies at CD Baby, as well as Amazon. But come by my website. That's edroman.net. All my social networking buttons are there, Instagram. Um, Not TikTok yet, but I'm on TikTok. YouTube channel is there. Obviously, my Facebook channel, Instagram, as I mentioned. Um, The new singles are out. Tomorrow is today is, 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 is is a barn stomper. And, uh, and, and stronger is a tune of positivity. I think people, including myself needed to hear those messages. So, um, I'm encouraging people to check it out because it feels good bringing new music to people. And I've been getting a lot of positive responses, which is hard for me because I like criticism. Mm -hmm. I welcome it. And, and, um, I got to thank you for the opportunity too, because again, I'm here to be able to express myself, but you've given me the form to be able to talk about dyslexia, Mm -hmm. which I'm very passionate about. The Red Omen video, if you don't know anything about it, check it out on Vimeo, a lot of other platforms. Any monies from renting or purchasing that are all going to the Dyslexic Society to help kids facilitating programs for tutoring for those that can't afford it. A bigger part of the mission behind Red Omen is is trying to bring about awareness, but I'm, I really want to open up a dialogue with ministries of education to implement hopefully more of these ideas that the Davis Method is a part of. It's in 56 different nations around the world, Tom, other than the country it was created in by a dyslexic and artisan himself and Canada. So as I mentioned to the CIBC Bank, when I had met with them, asking them for assistance and suggestions, and they've turned me on to a lot of wonderful people and have been very helpful, it's a Band-Aid effect. It's very simple. It can be integrated into early education, and it's going to benefit everybody. So if you, if you see that and you wonder what this Red Omen is, it's not a scary monster movie. It's no. a cartoon. Yeah. 
about a dyslexic's life and, and it's connecting to a lot of things. So thank you for giving me the form to be able to talk about that. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's so important to uh, speak about stuff that you're passionate about. Like for me, it's a lot of uh, children's hospital because I spend a lot of time at children's hospital. So that's a lot of my platform that I speak on. And so it's just so important to find something that you connect with to be able to give back. Hey man, my- Danny K Danny K is a hero of mine. I don't know about you, but everything that Shriners has done and uh, the man is, is, is a saint. You should put him on the, one of the next federal bills. Like, I mean, yeah. helping people is essential. So good on you, man. Yeah. Good on you. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it, you know, it's just one of those things where I spent a lot of time in the hospital as a kid and, it's just really important to make sure you pay it forward. So yeah, St. Jude, St. Jude's, like I said, with Danny K, the Shriners, they do a lot of work for, for kids raising a lot of money and things like that. So thank I, you. I personally co- uh, collect or connect with uh, the children's miracle network. Oh yeah. I know, I know them. Yeah. It's uh, just because they, they have a pretty big presence down here in Texas and uh, they, they do a lot of fundraising efforts that are near and dear to my heart. Like they do a big uh, video game marathon, which is growing up in the 90s. Like that that's a very thing that I uh, was involved in, was playing a lot of video games. So, yeah. So, you know. I was just, there. I was, more, I was more like Atari. Yeah. I'm, 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 you know, I was in which I played Atari, dude. You realize that? Yeah. I played Pong. I still have my Pong. I had, I still okay, so not, not to make you feel old or anything, but when I was in college, uh, my sister got me an, an Atari flashback system. So basically it was all the, every, or not every Atari game, but like all the big Atari games came in a prepackaged Atari system. And you just, it was like a plug and play and you just went to town. So it was like Pong. It was like, Astrid, oh man, battle, you know, just oh. like all the stuff. I remember too. And I can't remember who the company was. Was it the second generation? And they made an Atari slip cartridge thing yeah. that would fit into a secondary unit. So if you didn't have the old Atari unit, it would, it would hybrid yeah. into this other unit. Yeah. They, 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 there was a couple of different things like that where uh, video games that were more cartridge based. So you could buy one system and plug in like Atari cartridges or plug in Super Nintendo cartridges or any, you know, like all these different cartridges. And just instead of having like five or, or three or four different systems, you just had this one thing and could kind of plug in. So. It's crazy. Eh? You think of how far we've come even in that technology. We're talking about telecommunications, music, and everything. I was like, oh my gosh, we went from like blip, 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 to like surreal. Like it's yep. like people are buying these bodysuits and 3D, you know, it's yep. like, are you kidding me? Like this is nuts, right? I was I was uh, the last time that I went out to Roswell to record episodes of our radio show. My buddy's, my co-host buddy's stepson was playing video games on one of the more recent systems. And I'm just sitting there watching. I'm like, is he watching a TV show or is he playing Xbox? And he's like, no, he's playing the new whatever game. And I'm like, 
okay, now I see it, but for a minute there, that looked real. I, 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 and the 3D integrations with the hologram systems that, yeah. you know, it's, well, literally it's like a three-dimensional, that's the other, the new wave between we're actually physically interacting with these like Tron or something yeah. like, you know. What's your affiliate in Roswell? Like, I'm writing all this stuff down because I want to check it out. Oh, it is a uh, 93.7 The Crash. 93.7 The Crash. The Crash? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. And well, that's kind of been our marketing strategy for the whole radio show is like the name of the station is the crash. Okay, cool. So now like we're going through a little bit of a rebrand of the show, not a rebrand, but like we're like all the intros and the bumps and the teases and all that stuff. Uh, we're playing up the UFO side of things. So um, we're working on an intro now that is going to very much pay an homage to War of the Worlds, like the original Orwell or Orson Welles uh, broadcast. Ladies and gentlemen, the Vanguard Army. If a, yeah. I, I have a copy of that. I listen to it sometimes on Halloween. That is cool that you're doing that. That's yeah, it, like, it's going to be it's quintessential. Very much, it's very much <laughs> going to be an homage to that. So I'm super excited. And it's it's gonna go from like this very sci-fi mellow intro, and then there's gonna be like a fading in guitar with a sick riff, and it's just gonna kick into overdrive, and it's gonna be amazing. <laughs> so I, I luckily I work with some very talented musicians, and it's like I give them half-baked ideas like that, and they make it happen. Go with it, man. That's a total, and that's like, like you almost do spoken word music around that whole thing. And there's some amazing little bits and pieces, like that one, the invading Vanguard army from the planet Mars. You know, like that yeah. itself, an Orson Welles voice. You just like <laughs> repeat that again. Yeah, <laughs> run that, run that in a loop, just so I can hear that over and over again. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's cool. Well, so, are you are you then drawing on other musicians to do the creation? Like, are you is it like a conglomerate? Like, you're creating a community to help create the soundtrack? Um, f well, we we lean on the whole idea behind Live and Amplified is to build like an artist, not a conglomerate, but like a. Uh, I can't think of what I want, what you want to call it, but we, we basically it's, I guess a conglomerate is a fair, fair way to put it. But like when we need something, it's like, Oh, Hey, we've worked with this guy, you know, let's go talk to him and see what he's gotten. Or if we know, like, let's say you come in and say, Hey, I need a Dobro player. I don't know anybody that plays Dobro, you know, you know, like whatever. And so we just like, like friends helping friends almost is kind it's a of, it's a lie. It's a library. It's like, it's a, it's just a go-to. I like that. That's the other thing that's interesting about it. That's why I was yeah. curious. And I, I, I knew that you were probably getting at the, the, the other, but yeah. that's, that's, I love that, that cross-referencing with other people in this day and age. Yeah. One of the crazy things that like about TikTok and, and is that that's happening all the time, yeah. duetting, talking about things that are bothering things that people love. That's, where real good new cross pollination can occur. I've seen some amazing of just that alone. I'm like, I'm just like, yep. wow, these two people yep. didn't know each other. And this is amazing. Yep. This is amazing. Yep. 
and one of one of my big projects that I started like right before the pandemic hit, but got kind of put on the back burner once the pandemic hit because all live shows kind of ceased to exist was I was working on building a black book of venues, like a little mm. black book. So, cause yeah. I, you know, we get like, we get hit up all the time from musicians like, Hey, we're trying to book a tour. We don't have any contacts. Do you know anybody? And, you know, so I'm trying to build out this black, or like this Rolodex of venues with updated information of, okay, oh, you want to play in South Indiana? Okay, here are three venues that we know of. Here's the most up-to-date information. If you find out that this person no longer works there, find a better, like all we ask is you that any new information you find out, you pass it back to us so we can keep it updated. But we want to make it so that, like let's say you're, you're in the middle of a U.S. tour and you're coming into St. Louis and then all of a sudden three of your shows get canceled and you've got three dates you got to fill. You, right. It happens. It happens all the time. Oh yeah. It happens, man. So like it, we'd like it to be like, Oh crap. We had a show in Duluth, Minnesota. We need to fill that. Let's figure out where we can go. You know? So that that's where we kind of, that's one thing that we're gap we're trying to fill. That's a great idea and smart too, just even with the database and then asking just the simple, like, well, if you found out anything different or if the club's closed or if you, I mean, motels ask you, what was your experience like? And, and all of a sudden there's a rewards program at the end. Well, you're getting 30% off on your next hotel search just by answering these couple of questions. Like that's good. Cause then it, it's like that, that becomes a reliable go-to. Yeah. For well, people because, without just searching blindly, like where the yeah. hell are we going to, you know, pick up the slack, right? Yeah. Well, because that, that was the one thing that drove me nuts is there was this, not naming names, there was this one musician that uh, my sound engineer and I kind of mutually knew that was selling, they had went and like found information to 3,200 uh, festival and venue promoters uh, to get yourself booked. Here's my book, pay me $32, you know, like whatever to put in like this astronomical fee behind it. And people were buying it. And then they'd go and it would be info at jerseyshore.com, you know, just like these very vague emails with no yeah, phone total, number. Yeah. Like you could have figured it out yourself. right? Yeah. Like, and it's that, just like yeah. that that's not the information that they want. Like, I could have, if I had a show coming up in the Jersey Shore, I could have went and just went, typed in Jersey Shore music venues and gotten a better response. Yeah. Cape May, da da da, would all start coming up. It's totally, and, and that's, that's so fraudulent. Like, that's the other thing that sort of things like for X amount of money, I'll show you my secrets of making 20K a day in the music industry. Yeah. Well, that you're making money by selling this idea. Are you know that's why you're making 20k a day in the music yeah. industry because you're selling this idea to people. Yeah. But again, what you said is smart because you're developing a database based on your experience yeah. to service that industry. It's not just some. It's a database created by yeah. artists and people that yeah. are doing it for artists that are doing it. Yeah. And all we ask is you just if there's anything that's changed, let us know if it's Biff or 
Mary that's running the front door? Like, is it the same person? You know, yeah. like, how does it work? Yeah, it's so absolutely. easy. Because I mean, like my my sound engineer's in a band, so he gets out. He doesn't do like big tours, but they'll go do like a weekend run out to Phoenix or up to Albuquerque or wherever. They'll go do a quick weekend run, but. Other than that, like, I'm not a musician. I'm not out there like that. I'm not touring the world and seeing all these venues. But when I do go out and I run across a venue promoter, it's like, hey, this is who I am. This is what I'm doing. Is it okay if I put your venue in and who would be the person to reach out to? You know, and I just ask like a few basic questions and that's how I do it. But obviously being in Central Texas, I'm not... I'm not going to Seattle. I'm not going to New York, Bangor, Maine, Canada. Like that's not places that I go to on a regular basis. So that dries out relatively quick. So. And it be, and it behooves you to ask the musician that was there, Hey, you were three nights at this location in Brooklyn. How did it go? Were there people? Did you get paid? What did they get? You know, whatever the data is, it's so, I mean, you create an app, yeah. For a phone that makes every musician and accessible to it, no different than Periscope or anything else that would just be like, okay, yeah, here's what happened. Yes, they get push notifications, simple things. Just, you know, pump in your data and move on and move down. The- that way it's then exclusively happening, living on the net for people to access. Dude, yeah. Tom, it's a great idea. It's yeah. a good idea. And like to double up on that, the other side of that is I want to make it like, you brought up the app idea and that's something that I want to do. But if I'm going to do that, I'm going to double it up on the other side where, okay, let's say you're a venue promoter in Ontario and your the band you had booked for tomorrow night cancels. Oh crap. I got a spot. I got to fill. You put out an alert saying, Hey, got an opening here Friday night at 9 PM. We're looking for, classic rock i don't know making something up classic yeah, rock, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it sends alerts to anybody within 50 miles or any musician within 50 miles that's on our database that fits that criteria like hey this thing just opened this is the details are you interested and the first person right. that's interested boom cool you're good yeah, that's a that's brilliant, man. And and you know what? It's like even it's happening now, even with live streaming, like w- w- in a similar way. Where like I've done a bunch of them, and like the, you know, I've talked to the producer, and and I'm like, hey, thanks for having me on, and it was I have a fun time, and it's great listeners, and I'm like, so she's like, so if I you know need anything, or you know, if, are you available last minute for that exact reason? Because if somebody <laughs> drops out, and they're like. Well, here are the go-tos of so-and-so, no, no, no. And yeah, okay, here we go. It's happening now in that regard. So once the 3D world comes back, because it's gonna, yep. that would be such a help for so many musicians, even those that are just like, well, we weren't working tonight, but all of a sudden this gig has come up and it's like, okay, let's go play. Like, yep. you know. Absolutely. Great Absolutely. idea, man. It's a great idea, Tom. Yep. And I, I know there's it. somebody out there saying, why are you putting a million dollar I- idea out there into the ether like that? It's like two reasons. I'm keeping myself honest. And two, I'm not worried about anybody stealing it because 95% of the people listening aren't going to do anything with it anyways. That's right. It always takes the gumption and know how to, to do it. You've yeah. already got a lot of mental legwork into something that tomorrow if somebody turned around and said well i got some database technology that i can help you with and blah blah blah, you're going to be jumping 
faster than you know within days. Yeah. So you're right. I mean, that's the thing. I've I've heard we all learn from other people. Uh, it's very far hard to find new information. It's what I've learned as a gardener and coming from a background of farmers and people that, that farm is that cross pollination is essential for survival. Yep. That if we if, if even if I mean, people are like, well, I, that sounds like this song. You know how many one, four, five progressions there are? You know, rhythm and blues progressions, two, five, ones, one, three, six, two, five, ones, one, six, two, fives. Those progressions I could point out are like hundreds of songs. Yep. It's how we util, utilize it in, in our fields that makes a difference. So cross-pollinating allows that to happen. Um, and, and, and it's essential. Like the change is, is required of, of development and without it. I'm, I'm glad that I don't think it, I don't think it that way. It's not like you're like marketing some skateboard that somebody's going to yeah. remanufacture. It's more of a philosophy and idea behind something. Yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll be the first to testify right here. We got a date mark stamped on it. We stopped on it at first, man. Yeah. Well, and it, even if it came to the point where somebody else did put it out, Hey, it's into the universe. I don't care. Like, I don't care if right. I get credit for it. Right. It's right. in the universe. Right. Right. It's, you know, somebody, even even if I don't have the knowledge on how to put it together right now, okay, the guy in four states over that had the knowledge heard this podcast and was like, oh, I like that idea. Let's do it. Cool. It's out there. Let's make it as popular as it can be. I'm not looking to make a million dollars off this idea. I'm looking to help these musicians out here that are like, we all know that band that was driving through Platte, Nebraska blew out a tire and they were screwed they had nothing there was nothing right. that they could do and they were stranded i hear you i yeah i wasn't was the reference wasn't like well hey you know i i know what you mean because it's like i've continually finding myself in the same position where i'm helping other younger musicians talking about music it has the same thing to it yeah like you said like and the same same thing like the radio station is no new advent yeah. Even terrestrial radio for years, there was, so what made them, them was their uniqueness. The medium is there. It's, it's how, how and when you decide to use it, that makes it flourish. So I, I'm, I'm good with it. Like people like, don't share your secrets. Well, what, what's the secret? I'm yeah. just trying to be myself. There's no secret. Yeah, know? absolutely. Absolutely. But I want to thank you so much for just an amazing conversation. Like, you know, it, it's it's so weird because you come in and it's like you don't know what's going to happen. Sometimes the interview, the conversation falls short and it's OK, 20 minutes, but it's a good 20 minutes. And then we come into a situation like this where it's two hours and it's amazing two hours, just gripping conversation that just keeps moving forward. So. I really appreciate you for jumping on here. I'm really excited. But didn't feel like that. It felt, oh, Oh no. I'm humbled. I you're I'm I, I'm just happy to talk, man, and talk to people. Like I said, I'm I'm a communicator. That's what I do. I'm a, I'm a storyteller and I get excited. Sometimes to the point that I think it makes people feel uncomfortable because I find information electrifying and just sharing of commonalities where we sometimes find that there's this diversity. I more and more and more I talk to people, I realize we're not different at all. No. There's so many things that are that are similar to who we are in terms of needs and wants and feelings and all those circumstances. And sharing those things just empowers us even more, you know, brings us closer together. So I got to thank you. You're thanking me, but I got to thank you for the opportunity, too, because 
other than it being a, an opportunity for me. I had a nice time, man. I had a good time. Absolutely. It was an absolute blast. Once again, thank you so much, man. Uh, hit them with the yeah. uh, website URL again one more time because it was almost a half hour ago we were. EdRoman.net, all social networking buttons. But you always find me everywhere on social media at Special Ed Roman. So Twitter, Instagram, uh, TikTok, my YouTube channel, all of that. New records are out, Amazon, CD Baby, iTunes, all of it is available. You can also stream stuff. You, uh, stuff is on Spotify. You can check stuff out on SoundCloud. There's a whole bunch of places to, to participate. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Once again, man, thank you so much. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in, and we will catch you guys later. Thanks, Tom. Yep. We are good. <laughs>